0: Father that's the desire of our heart this morning that you would come Lord within us there's a longing to be in your presence Father we we don't just long to be out of the trouble and the difficulty of this world but we long to be with you we long for a day when your son will no longer be a curse word or a byword but he'll receive the honor and the glory that is due his name we long for a day when we will no longer be in this flesh and fail you and, and sin against your holiness and your righteousness. We long for you, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would come quickly. In the name of your Son, our Savior, amen. Let me let you be seated. Today's a, a, a day where I feel like you've seen me too, way too much. Uh, Took a lot longer than that first little bit than I intended to. I'm sorry. We are in the book of Esther. Uh, so if you want to turn to Esther chapter nine, uh, those of you who are, are joining us via the stream, uh, maybe there's some new folks there. Uh, we've been in this study. This is the 13th, I think, installment of our study of the book of Esther. And we've come to chapter 9, and it's a it's a huge story. I'm not going to take a lot of time to give you the review today, but uh, it's a story that's certainly factually, his, historically accurate, really happened. Uh, it's a great doctrinal lesson, and we'll see a little bit of that today, but we've been imply, applying it inspirationally and, and seeing as God paints this word picture, it, it's a picture of every believer's uh, relationship with God today. And that... When we trusted Christ as our Savior, it's similar to Ahasuerus. He, when he put away the Vashti, the old queen, and he accepts Esther, it's like putting away the old nature and, and accepting the new nature. And, and that's done. We, we found under this relative of Esther's influence a man named Mordecai. He pictures for us the Holy Spirit of God. And Mordecai uh, then begins to look out for Ahasuerus and, and he uh, protects him from a coup attempt that's happening in the kingdom. But rather than Ahasuerus elevating Mordecai to a place of preeminence, he, he elevates a man named Haman. And, and the book of Esther is very careful to tell us about this guy named Haman. Uh, he's an Agagite, uh, he's the son of Hamadatha, he's the enemy of the Jews, he's the wicked one. And it pictures for us Satan's operation in our lives through our flesh. And, and all of us, as believers in Jesus Christ, if you've come to faith in Christ, You made the decision to put away the old nature and receive the new nature with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, and that was under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God, but yet we have that same tendency to elevate our flesh to the place of preeminence. That's that's who we've always trusted. That's who we've always counted on, and and so we have a a tendency to continue with that and not elevate the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. And so the story of Esther is teaching us that, that ultimately what has to happen is the flesh has to be hung on a cross. And that cross was 2,000 years ago. is the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and we're to see our flesh crucified there and we're to bring Mordecai from a place of prominence in the gate to a place of preeminence in our life where he is in charge, where, as the story goes, he has the ring. He has the king's authority. That he is ruling and governing our lives. Our flesh isn't making the decisions. We aren't operating on our own whims. And and we aren't doing what we will, but we're doing what God wills. And he's showing us that through his Holy Spirit. And and when we were last here, we we saw that that, in fact, has happened in the story. Haman's been hung on a cross. Mordecai now has the ring. He's in a place of preeminence. We found that, remember that law that Haman had enacted where all the Jews were going to be put to death? That, that, that old law, we couldn't override that old law, but there was a new law, and the new law will supersede the old law, picturing for us the, the law of sin and death that's active in our lives, but there's a new law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that overcomes that old law. And, and again, maybe you would say with me, I think, well, man, how much more can there be to the story? I mean, my goodness, it seems like now everything's taken care of. Surely there's no more to tell. Well, surely there is, because God kept writing. And and chapter 9 begins with uh, some instruction for us uh, as believers in Jesus Christ. Let's read it together. Esther chapter 9, verse 1. Now in the twelfth month, that is the month Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near to be put into execution. So remember, that's the day, that's the day that Haman's law was to be enacted, where, where everyone could could come against the Jews. They could take all their stuff and there would be no repercussions. They could kill the Jews. Literally, it was going to be the extinction of the Jews. It was a holocaust before the holocaust. And so that day is coming uh, when the king's command could put it in execution In that day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them. They're going to have power over the Jews, all the enemies. But, but notice parenthetically, though it was turned to the contrary that the Jews had rule over them that hated them. We're going to talk today about what do we do in face of the evil day. There's an evil day coming. What do we do in face of that evil day? You you would think, again, Haman's crucified, Holy Spirit's in control. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? We need to understand that it's exactly at that time when the enemy is going to attack. I don't have time for this this morning. But if you follow the the children of Israel, set free from Egypt by the blood of the lamb, led down into the wilderness through a discipleship process, ultimately, I know it took 40 years, shouldn't have, but when they get and they cross over Jordan. It's a picture of their death. But as soon as they cross over into the promised land, that's not heaven, folks. There's some enemies over there to be defeated. There's some opposition there. You really have entered into the spiritual warfare there. Prior to that, most of what's going on over here in the wilderness is just me battling the flesh. The flesh is the issue over here. But once I die to the flesh, I should recognize that there's still an enemy and he's coming against me. He's not going to allow me to to die to flesh, put, put the Spirit of God in control, and not war against that. There's a battle that we're going to face. In light of that reality, there is a day coming. But prophetically, it, it, it applies to the tribulation and what's going to happen in the nation of Israel one day in just a few days. That day is going to come. But practically speaking, it's, it's true in our lives. Paul told Timothy, his son in the face, in 2 Timothy 3.12, all that live godly in Christ Jesus. He, he, listen, not most Not some, not not the better part, all that live godly. What does it mean to live godly? How how can I live a godly life? Well, there's only one way. There's only one way to live a godly life. And it's what we've seen in the story of Esther. You can't muster that up. You're not going to will yourself into it. You're not going to double down. Going to make it happen. You can't make it happen. There's only one way for it to happen. You've got to die to you. You've got to die to you and let God live through you. All that live godly in Christ Jesus, all that are willing to die to their flesh and allow God to live through them in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They're, they're, you're in persecution. For a fight, when you make the decision to live in the fullness of God, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, remember? Cain and Abel, all the way back to the book of Genesis, Cain and Abel and and the the issue that they had, right? Cain comes and he brings the fruit of the ground. Uh, Abel, that's where you get the, the saying, you can't get blood from a turnip. Abel brings a blood sacrifice. And Cain is so incensed by his obedience, he kills his brother uh, First John says it, not as Cain, don't live like that, who was of that wicked one, uh, again, boy, we're, we're seeing the, the parallels, and slew his brother, wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. And uh, so he sees the righteous works of his brother and he says, I- I'm incensed by that, I'm going to kill you for that. I'm going to take your life. When you live godly, not everyone's going to appreciate that. Not everyone is going to celebrate that. The enemy is going to come against you. When when Paul writes about this in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, we're familiar with the armor of God he tells us to put on. He says, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God to be able, able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore and he goes on but but notice how he says that We're to put on the whole armor of God. Listen, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil is coming against you. There's going to be an attack against you. There's going to be an assault against you. And it seems that what what Paul is saying in the book of Esther is that that's a specific day that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Your, the evil day may be different than my evil day, but the enemy's coming after you. Yeah. Right. And he's seeking whom he may devour. And he's doing that at the precise time when you have decided the, the enemy, the flesh is a defeated foe. I'm no longer going to live for myself. I've crucified the flesh. The spirit of God's in control. Man, everything's going to go great from here on in. Nope. You've defeated the first foe, now you've got a real enemy. Now you're really in the conflict. Now you really are in spiritual warfare. And our, our tendency is to revert back rather than allow the Spirit of God to, to fight our battles. And, and Esther, the evil day was the 13th day of the 12th month. 12th month. And those forces of evil, they intended on that day, they're coming against us every day, but there was that specific day, the 13th day of the 12th month, they're coming against them. The enemy, Daniel tells us that the Antichrist, when he comes, his his goal is going to be to to wear out the saints. If If you've ever watched a good boxer he goes into the ring. He didn't, he didn't go into the ring looking to knock the guy out with a first or second punch. He goes in and he's just, he's just giving him some body blows. He's wearing him down. And when he feels like he's done a sufficient job of wearing him down, then he goes for the knockout punch. So he's coming at us every day. And the enemy's giving you those kidney punches. And, and he's just, you know, you get them here and there and here and there. But then there's that one day when he comes and he's going to do his best to knock you out. To take you out of the fight. On the evil day. That's what we should expect. He's coming against us. Ezekiel 28 says that that Lucifer, before he was Satan, he's he's Lucifer. He's the the anointed cherub that cover us. The Bible says he's full of wisdom. He's studied humanity for 6,000 years. He's not omniscient. But he understands how we behave, and he uses it against us. He's, he's going to wear you out looking to knock you out. He's coming at you day after day, but there's coming a day when he's going to throw that punch. He's going to attempt to take you out of the fight. There's a trial coming. That's what I want us to see today. There's a trial coming. You should expect that. If Maybe over the period of our studying this book of Esther... God has, and I pray that this is true, and some of you have told me it's true for you, that God has illuminated your understanding. And you've you've seen yourself in the Scriptures, you've understood the the conflict with the flesh, and, and, and you have truly crucified the flesh. And the Spirit of God is now on the throne in your life. He is ruling and reigning from the throne of your life. You've prayed that Lord's Prayer and meant it. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You've prayed that prayer, and you're not just talking about a yet future kingdom, but you're saying in my life today, make it real in me right now. You rule and reign on the throne of my heart. Your will be done, not my will. You're in control. What I want you to know today, not to discourage you, but to warn you, the evil day is coming. When it comes, don't let it trip you up. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about something that comes as we're, we're reaping what we've sown, the consequences of our own sin. I'm not talking about the chastening of the Lord. I'm talking about I am at the best place in my life living for the Lord Jesus. I, I've given him absolute control of my life. I'm talking about when that day comes, even though it's not consequences of your sin. It's not the chastening of the Lord uh, Peter says, but let none of us suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. And if any man suffers a Christian, notice he, can, can I just notice the counter distinction there? Don't suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody. He, 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 he cites those as all non-Christian. Don't suffer for those things Suffer for being a Christ follower. A Christian. Let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God on his behalf. If I'm suffering for doing right, let me just say, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! I've entered into the sufferings of Jesus Christ. What an honor it is. Please don't allow that to discourage you or to scare you. You can face anything. Anything. In Christ. There's those of you around this room who can testify that to that better than I. You've been through some of those things. You've suffered illnesses in your body. You've lost loved ones. You've gone through loss of careers or relationships. You've been through stuff. And God's brought you through. He'll do the same for all of us. The book of Job's an incredible testimony of that. Satan can't touch me. He can't touch me without God allowing it. Nothing comes to my life that God hasn't appointed or, or allowed. It, he's in control. He's in control of every detail of my life. And everything that he allows to come into my life it comes out of a motivation of his perfect love. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He knows my situation. He knows your situation. He knows coronavirus. He knows who has it, He knows who don't. He's in control. He is omniscient. He knows all things. And he's my father. He loves me, unconditionally. Not only is he omniscient, he's omnipresent. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He, he, he dwells in me. And He gave me His indwelling to assure me He's coming to get me. He's the earnest of my inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession I have him as my guarantee. I, I don't know what kind of guarantee you got, but that one trumps it. It's better. He's never going to leave me. He knows my situation. He knows what I'm going through. He's omnipotent. I, I, we went through some difficult times a couple of years ago, and it's about the time that song, Even If, came out. God could do that and solve every problem in my life. He, he, could, he could do that and wipe out the coronavirus. Yeah. And some people say, well, then he must not be a God of love. He doesn't do that. Well, that's just a very shallow view. He, he could do that, but even if, even if he doesn't, he's still God. I'm still going to serve him. I'm still going to worship him. He still loves me. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. I trust Him. He's faithful. No matter what comes to us, the the evil day that may come, it's coming. But, But we don't need to let that scare us. Because what the Bible tells us is God is looking. God intends to turn that evil day to the contrary. He, 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 he's looking to take that difficult situation, that trial, that test that's coming against me. It's coming against me. The enemy of God, the enemy of my soul is coming against me, seeking to defeat me and destroy me. But what the Bible tells us in Esther chapter 1, notice that this this day that's coming against the Jews. They hope to have power over the Jews, though it was turned to the contrary. God wants to turn that day to the contrary. The enemy wants to destroy me, but God wants to turn it to the contrary. And he's going to do that in my life. Uh, the the incredible doctrinal setting is is again it's it's the time of tribulation. There's coming a day very very soon. I believe it with all of my heart. It's coming very very soon. The Antichrist is going to rally the nations of the world, and they're going to come into that little country of Israel in the Middle East. They're going to gather in that field in the Valley of Jehoshaphat uh, over, that's overseen by the, the by Megiddo and the the Valley of Armageddon, the field where Napoleon stood and said that I I suppose that the armies of the world could gather in this field and do battle. They're going to do it one day and they're going to come against the nation of Israel and when you look at the situation you would say that little tiny country in the Middle East does not have one hope but God. And on that day, he's going to bust open the eastern skies and he's going to step out of heaven and he's going to return to this earth. And listen to me, don't let me gross you out, but he is going to stomp the armies of the world like grapes such that the blood flows to the horse's bridle. That's my God. And if he can handle that, he can handle any situation in my life. He can handle it. You say, how can you be so sure, Joe? I got 6,000 years of human history. That's evidence of it. I'm gonna tell you what. My little petty problems, not worthy to be compared to what He's gonna do that day. And listen, of all people, of all people, we should see that because we've watched that nation become a nation, and we've seen God's blessing, its fulfillment of prophecies. I was saying it this morning. I see it happening. I see it happening. The word's being fulfilled. God's going to turn it to the contrary. 200 million soldiers are going to come against that little nation. God's going to turn it to the contrary. Let's talk about us, though, real quick. The evil day's coming, so we need to be prepared to stand. Jesus told his disciples, uh, John 16, I probably skipped a few verses. John 16. These things have I spoken to you that you might have that you might have peace. God's, Jesus speaking to his disciples, I, I speak my word that you might have peace. This is Peace comes in Christ. This is the revelation of Christ, guys. We've got to get our eyes off the circumstances and get our eyes back on Christ. If you want peace, you'll find it in him. These things have I spoken, you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Feel, feel a little turbulent right now? Feel like things are rocking a little bit? You've been in an airplane, you know, and got those turbulence. (laughs) That's no fun. Things feel a little turbulent right now, a little difficult. Winds are blowing. Life's tough. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He's overcome. He's overcome. Acts says it's through much tribulation you enter into the kingdom of God. There's going to be tribulation. John chapter 15 says, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world will love his own. But because you're not of the world, that I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they, shall, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. We're going to face difficulty, trial, tribulation, persecution. It's coming, but God's going to turn it to the contrary. The enemy means to destroy you, but God means to turn it to joy. Literally turn to joy, the trial and the tribulation that we face. That's what Esther says. In fact, if you go down a little further in Esther chapter 9, verse 22, I don't think I put this in your notes. We'll obviously not get that far today. As the days were in, the Jews rested from their enemies, and the month was turned into them from sorrow to joy. And from morning into a good day that they should make the days of feasting and joy and send portions one to another and gifts to the poor. I mean, the the enemy's coming and he says, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to take everything you own, including your life. God says, nah. I'm going to turn that to the contrary. And their sorrow was turned to joy and their mourning was turned to a good day. And their fasting was turned to feasting. And they're sending portions. Rather rather than somebody coming and taking what they had, they're willingly giving it. You don't have to come take it from us. Here, you can have it. Why? Because our God's our provision. He'll take care of us. Our comfort's not in that stuff. You can have it. You don't have to steal it. Come take it. We'll give it to you. That's our God. Amen. John 16, a little later in the text that we were just reading a moment ago, or a little earlier, excuse me, verse 20. Verily read I say to you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. God intends to give us victory. So let me give you just a few things real quick that God wants to do with our trials, and we're gonna we're gonna run through them quick. Every trial is intended for God's glory. Every trial is intended. Uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm, I jumped way ahead. Every trial is intended for my good. Every trial is intended for my growth. I'm, I'm way ahead of myself. I'm three points ahead of myself. Let me back up. Every trial is intended for my growth. Sorry. James chapter 1. James says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. James says, it's the trial of my faith that works patience. And when I'm in the trial, when I'm in the midst of the trial, God wants to give me patience, but I've got to let patience have her perfect work. You see, what happens to most of us is when we get in the midst of the trial, what happens to me in the midst of the trial, I'm not saying, God, work it out, man deal with me now, give me hope, I, I want you to teach me, I'm saying, God, get me out of this. Right? I, I, think, that's, I think that's what happens to most of us naturally. Rather than allowing God to, to take us through it, we want out of it. Rather than allowing God to teach us in the midst of it, we're saying, God, get me out of it. Recover me from it. Take, take it away from me. God says, Let patience have her perfect word, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Patience is the ability to endure situations that are out of my control without losing my joy. The ability to endure situations that are outside of my control without allowing it to steal my joy. I would say the current situation that we are in is an opportunity for patience. I can't control this, it's outside of my control. Is it going to rob me of my joy? Or am I going to trust God through it and not lose the joy that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is my joy in my situation, in my circumstances, in my stuff, in my security that I find through my job and my employment and my daily schedule? Or is my security in Christ? Is he really enough for me? That's the question we're being asked. God wants to grow us up in the midst of our trials. So let patience have her perfect work Tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Amen? There's a process there. Tribulation works patience, patience experience, experience hope. The second thing is everything is intended for my good. Romans 8.28. We we quote that all the time, right? We tell people all the time, be careful using that. Sounds like a pat answer, but but it is nonetheless true. All things work together for good of them that love God, them called according to his purpose. Right? So we know that all things work together for good, but what's the good they're working together for? It's found in verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. So it works together. It's working together. All things that come into my life, they're working together. He didn't say they're all good, but they're working together for good. And the good that they're working together for is to conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. And so God's whittling away. He's hammering away at me. Get rid of that flesh so that Christ can be manifest in me. That's the goal. Peter says it's good. Paul says it's good for now. Peter says it's good for later. He says, and, I, and I'm jumping ahead here, guys. But in verse number 6 of 1 Peter chapter 3, wherein you rejoice greatly, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. And so multifaceted, we, we have heaviness that comes through these multifolded temptations that come into our lives, though the, that the trial of your faith, being more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried in the fire, might be found unto the praise and the honor and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus My temptations, my difficulties, my struggles in life, they're good for my growth. They make me like Christ, and they're going to be to my benefit one day when I stand, when I'm a bride, ready, when I made myself ready for him, when I'm ready to meet him, I'm going to be glad on that day for the trial that I faced on this day because it prepared me for that day. Amen? All you ladies, good feminine amen right there. Any trials leading up to the wedding day? Okay, mothers of brides. How about y'all? There's a reason there's a show called Bridezilla, right? She's getting ready for the day. Don't you get my way. Don't you get my way. You, you think that just happened? You think that was just put into a woman? That she lives most of her life in anticipation of that day? That she's been preparing for that day before she ever knew who he was? You think that just happened? That didn't just happen. Let's picture who we ought to be. Living with intentionality. And listen, I'll go through anything to get ready for that day. Because I'm going to be a bride ready. Ready to be wed to my Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll be grateful for the trials on that day because they prepared me. It's for God's glory. Second Corinthians chapter 4, we are troubled on every side but not distressed. We we're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. That those first things that he mentions, we're, we're troubled, we're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're cast down. They, they, they come that, that we might die to our flesh so that the life of Christ might be manifest. That's the idea. He he brings trouble. He brings persecution. He brings things that perplex us and and cast us down that are difficult for us to deal with, so that we might die to ourselves, so that the life of Christ might be made manifest through us. That's the goal: is that Christ's life would be manifest through us. That's godliness. Second Corinthians chapter four verse fifteen. You go a little further. For all these things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. All of these things, all of this that you're going through, all of this difficulty, all of the things that you're experiencing, the trouble and and perplexity and and, and the persecution and the being cast down, it's, it's so that we can grow and die to our flesh so that Christ can be manifest through us. And a lot of times we feel like we're, we're distressed and we're in despair and we're forsaken and we're destroyed. But when we allow that to be what happens, we defeat the purpose of the trial. God is doing a work. He's doing a work for our growth and our good and His glory. Amen. Our attitude going into the trials is what determines the outcome. And can I say today, whether you're watching via the streaming or you're here in the auditorium, I think that's important for us to understand. That's the reason this message matters. We need to prepare ourselves. I'm going to tell you, Decatur Baptist Church, if we live what we've learned in the book of Esther, the evil day's coming. Brace for impact. It's coming. And our attitude will have a lot to do with the outcome. So we need to have a right attitude. We need to prepare ourselves. So we need to see. Let me me just talk through this and we'll be done. We need to see the benefit of the trial, right? James tells us to let patience have our perfect work, that we may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Recognize there's a benefit in the trial. There's a benefit in the difficulty. God is growing us up. And we need to recognize that. When When I see my sufferings as the sufferings of Jesus Christ, when I, when I recognize that I have entered into the fellowship of his sufferings, then I can glory in tribulation. Then I can say, praise the Lord, you counted me worthy to suffer on your behalf. Now I can identify with my Lord and Savior. He went into his own and his own received him not. He was rejected and despised of men. He was beaten and crucified. I can enter into that with him. That's a very special fellowship. When we suffer together, I'll get to know him in a way that that I would never have known him before. See the benefit. The second thing is don't think it's strange. Peter tells us, don't think it's strange, the fiery trial which will come to you. It's not some weird, strange thing. Don't, don't, don't think like something odd's happening to you. It's normal. You should expect it. You should anticipate it. And the last thing is see the eternal perspective. Don't live with a temporal value system, a temporal mindset. Have an eternal value system, an eternal mindset See that that this thing is is redounding to the glory of God and and one day, one day soon, I'm gonna be there. I know guys, it's weird for us. But I'm gonna be a bride. Dressed in linen, white and clean that linen is the righteousness of the saints, not the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what got me there. But that linen that I'm clothed in that day is is how that I've allowed him to live through me. I've prepared myself for the wedding day like a bride waiting for a groom. We'll be a church ready for you. Even so come for Jesus come. The wedding day can't get here quick enough. I'm ready to meet you. I'm ready to be with you. I I know we're together now spiritually, but I'm ready to be with you physically. See life from an eternal perspective and long for that day. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to worship together. Thank you for... All of those who have joined us via live stream, Lord, I'm grateful for this technology that we have. God, I thank you for how you've led each and every person. Those who are here and those who are watching my live stream, you've led us to where we are today. And Father, I thank you for this message that I I feel like was orchestrated and ordained by you long ago. There's an evil day coming. We're dealing with some things today, and you know what we're going through. I pray you'd help us to handle them in a way that would be pleasing to you. That we would indeed see this time, this struggle, this difficulty as as something that you want to do. There's a benefit in the trial. It's not strange that we should face these things. Lord, I pray you'd help us to see them from from your perspective and to recognize that you you are fashioning us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. All of this is for my growth. It's for my good and for your glory. God, I pray you'd help us to live that out. May we be salt and light in difficult days as you do that for us. We're going to praise you. Lord, I know it's true of us collectively today, but it's also true of us individually. All of us are going to face an evil day. There's a battle coming. The enemy hates us because you love us. He seeks to destroy us because you want to bless us. Father, I pray you'd help us to prepare for that evil day. Through the word of God, prepare our hearts today. I pray in Christ's name. Would you stand with me? Praise team's gonna begin to sing in just a moment as they begin to sing. Maybe God's spoken to you. You may be here today and you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. Maybe you're watching the live stream. You don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. I want you to know that Jesus Christ died for you. He shed his blood on Calvary's cross as a perfect payment for your sin. And what he says is, if you'll believe that by faith, he'll save you. If you're here in this auditorium, we wanna help you we'll show you from the word of God how you can know for sure if you died today heaven would be your home if you don't know what about you to come maybe you just need to come and pray today maybe you maybe you're in the midst of the trial today and you need to come and just get on your face before God and say God I accept what you're doing in my life and I trust you through it whatever your need is today would you let God meet it if you need to come you come while we sing let God do in your life what he wants to do while we sing you come will you do that let God do in your life what he wants to do Me, and I'm Aren't you grateful today that we have a God that we can go to? A God who's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. A God who remembers my frame, that I am but dust. A God who's acquainted with sorrow and grief. A God who came and lived in these bodies of flesh. Who knows what it is to face trials and difficulties. And yes, famine and and plague and peril. He knows. He lived on this earth. He understands what we're going through. He's a faithful high priest. I can take my needs to him at any time and I'll never surprise him I'll never shock him I'll never bring something to him that he doesn't understand he was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin not only does he understand he's there for me he has what I need he can help me I'm grateful for that today I hope you are I hope you are I hope you are I hope you are I hope you are. I hope you are. I hope you are. I hope you are. I hope you are.